When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is James Evans and joining me is my co-host who's cool and not all like uncool, it's Ellie Nunn. <laughs> Scraping the barrel with that I know, one. <laughs> I, yeah, I really like pulled that one out of my ass at the 11th hour, yeah. Oh, hey. Should I say Ms. Nunn for the occasion? Please. Is that only when staff's present? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to introduce me to, like, a driver. <laughs> it's Ms. Nunn. It's like, Ms. <laughs> no, no, I mean, Mrs., isn't it? It's like... <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, slap that in your face, but yeah. Oh, ow. No, <laughs> if you want to nitpick about it, God. How have you been? Tell me something, quickly. Oh, James... You know what? I'm not so good. I'm oh. currently in the middle of watching the Cartagena episodes oh, and Ellie. I'm bumming hard. <laughs> I'm <laughs> oh. Bethany, she's just such a misery gust. She's just in the background like the Babadook, just haunting the rest of them. Right. <laughs> She's killing my buzz in a in a big way. Like, yeah. not that lockdowns particularly got me on the ceiling, but mm-hmm. she's she's a real downer. When you're more of a downer than a pandemic, then you know you're not in a good way. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Those episodes are just so bleak. So I'm looking forward to um, some Luan chat to kind of pull me out of my my Cartagena funk. Something to get you nice and cross, because I know how much you love her. Oh yes, yeah. I tell you what else is good for getting me out of um, out of a dump, out of a dump, <laughs> <laughs> potato potato, out of the dumps. Is um, we've had some lovely reviews, which I feel like I should tell anyone listening. I- I immediately wrote to James to ask if they were fake and if he'd written them. <laughs> yeah, I made <laughs> several I was, different. Accounts. I was in that much disbelief that. Yeah. <laughs> People had given us such lovely feedback. Absolutely. I thought that was so funny that I immediately um, wrote you being like, oh, cool, did you do these? <laughs> this can't be legit. No, 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 no. No, you know, it's true. I can't believe it, but it is. So thank you so much to everyone who has written us a very lovely review so far. And anyone who hasn't and feel like they would like to leave a nice review, we're both a couple of narcissists and also really hungry for mm. positive reinforcement. So um, it would be much appreciated, but no pressure either way. You know, just your listenership <laughs> is a gift enough really how are you doing yeah i'm feeling a bit rough because i've personally been smoking about 40 a day um for the past week in order to get into character for (laughs) luan in order to i need to get my voice to the the low husky register that it needs oh you do it so beautifully i do feel like each time i'm gonna have to just defer to you in this episode because even though it's funny i consider myself to have quite a a low voice but i just can't even get near the luan register i know i need to dust off my like voice and speech textbooks from drama school in order to like give my voice a good (laughs) warm-up you know so if you had to if i could ask i don't know why i'm doing this to myself if you had to rank my impressions of the housewives so far how would you rank them um 
Just for some constructive feedback. I would put your Lou Man yeah. at number one. Okay. Um, I've genuinely been like buzzing for this episode pretty much just to have like copious renditions of Luan from you. Um, who would I put second? I think your Bethany is quite strong. Oh, I thought you didn't like my Bethany. No, I think over time we've got the Bethany more and more. Right. And it's like, okay. it's always more nasal than you think. It's yes. always more like up here. It than really like, is, yeah. It's like, you've got to be quite brave with your impressions of these mm-hmm. women. Um, your Jill is very good. Okay. I don't think I'd realised how good it was until we did those episodes. Hi. <laughs> Just for old time's sake. And your Kelly is very good as well. Oh, thank you. So they're all um, great then. They are all great. I think some people are, are hard to nail down. I'm not sure how good our Dorinda was last. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. My, my Sylvester <laughs> A couple of weeks Stallone. ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we covered the gambit from like, I can't talk like that. <laughs> to, to her talking like, oh, I can't even do the. What was your, what was your Sylvester Stallone, Dorinda? It's just like, yeah, you know, I'm not starting, you start. Yeah. <laughs> just like she's come out of like a four hour boxing match yeah, with someone from the exactly. Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But they're all good. It's a gift you have. And it's Thank one that you. I feel very grateful to be on the receiving end of. Thank you. No pressure, by the way, though, that today you better oh. you better um, be up to the task. Yeah, I'll try my best. Sorry, I'll try my best. I'm flexing. Just getting my notes my up. Muscles, okay. Uh, Ooh, right. Notes. So where do we even begin with Luan is, I'm so excited to talk about her despite my like intense dislike of her as a person, but she does provide she's so rich in content because she mm-hmm. provides such a vast arc compared to a lot of the women who've stayed kind of like resolutely one thing like mental or blunt or kind of no nonsense and stuff whereas Luan has had so many like lives across the show I'm going to be honest with you before we did this I thought I would sit down and watch um do you remember they did this like one-off that looked like it was going to be a series but then yes. there seems to only be one of them yeah like before they where were it housewives. was like before they were housewives and they chose luann and i started watching and i got about three minutes in and actually decided not to watch because i worried that it was going to humanize her too much for me and i was like i sort of need to talk about luann purely in the context of the show mm-hmm. and i was like i feel like if i find out about multiple traumas in her like past life <laughs> i'm gonna go into this with a level of compassion that the listeners just don't want right now like <laughs> right right right. I, I, so i literally stopped after like the opening i stopped after it like said what the episode was gonna contain and it ended with her in floods of tears and i just like shut my laptop and was like nope <laughs> too much of a human side well if it makes you feel any better i would highly recommend watching it at some point but also i i genuinely can't remember any of the things that she talked about so that nothing could have been that traumatizing that um it well it just felt like they were a it was like and then the fire destroyed everything and then like it felt like it was delving into a past of Luann that was going to taint my ability to like be scathing about her standing doing the hula hoop in the face of having zero awareness of the people around her like I need I need that Luann to talk about right she's very on the surface very one-dimensional but having watched that episode and actually tracking her narrative over the course of the 12 seasons 
she really has had a very rich and textured life. And I've got to say, Ellie, whenever I'm like two gin and tonics in at home by myself and I'm talking to my houseplants about how I need to see an opera, like a five act opera about Luanne de Lesseps, I think in part her life is so structured by acts. You have kind of like Connecticut yes. nurse Luanne, you have Swiss countess Luanne, and then you have New York countess and then cabaret star extraordinaire. I really agree that, and that in a way was why I stopped watching so quickly as I thought, this is making me realise that she's not wrong when in her interviews she often talks about feeling like she's lived so many lives mm -hmm. in the past, like she's had such a, a rich past. And I suddenly was like, oh, I actually really get that. And I almost find it hard to think about her like pre-Housewives. It almost disturbs the narrative I need right now of Countess to like cool countess to mm -hmm. obnoxious engaged countess i need those quite 2d segments and that is how she has been characterized on the show hasn't she i think for the most part when we talk about luan it's in regard to those two competing personas who in deference 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 fuck knows who in deference to Carol, <laughs> you came here for academic content <laughs> i don't know and this is what we're serving up from like I, the first couple of weeks where we were like I think that her peripatetic journey in Great know, right, and now yeah, yeah. I'm just like I don't I don't know like, I'm spent yeah this is what happens when you've just been watching nothing but housewives in lockdown exactly um, I, I, I just feel like it would be good to kind of turn to the most intelligent person on the New York housewives Carol Radziwill when she had it down to a mm. T when she said mm. we have Luan in inverted commas and then we have the countess in inverted commas yeah and it may be that one season the countess is the presiding alter ego or vice versa, but those two types are ever yeah. present. They're always grappling for dominance in the imposing physical vessel that is Luanne. She's like a walking contradiction. And it's funny because I feel like Luanne never quite got where Carol was coming from with that. And I think resented her for introducing this idea of those two competing sides. And she takes it very literally. So even in the episode I was just watching in Cartagena, Luanne's complaining about this whole countess thing. And she's complaining that whenever they all accuse her of being countessy, it's funny, you can tell that she doesn't get it. She still thinks it's about the attachment to the actual title. And she yeah. starts spouting this whole thing of being like, is Lady Gaga a queen? Like, is Queen Latifah? A oh, is Lady Gaga Yeah, yeah. A queen? <laughs> she's not. In no way, shape or form. <laughs> Nominally or no. <laughs> um... But like she's she's so hung up on the um, semantics of it where it's like you're not getting it. It's it's about the fact that like you are a hypocrite because you have a side of you that's very condescending and attached to like decorum and attached to a way of behaving and you're basically up yourself. Mm -hmm. But then you also have a side of you that wants to party and not be judged and is like, don't be all uncool. And she can't seem to see that that's what they keep coming back to. Mm -hmm. They're not like accusing her of being attached to her old life as a countess. I think that whole kind of like, is Queen Latifah a queen? Is so typical of Luanne in that, yeah, as you said, her lack of understanding. And it's like, I don't even think she came up with that line by herself. I think like a gay that, that she surrounds herself <laughs> with. It's probably like Ben Rimmelau, you know, the guy who directs her cabaret, probably said like, oh, it's fine calling it Countess and Friends because is Queen Latifah really a queen? And she's just said that and thought, that's a good one. And then just like, she's like, pounced on I've it. heard her I've say like, it several times as well. I'm sure she, she says, says it, it a reunion lot. And on she's a big repeater. Life. The truth is, I think you've, you've really nailed something there with when you were saying about Carol being like the most intelligent. I think 
these women feel very nervous around people like Carol and Bethany because they feel like they're going to be tripped up constantly and someone like Ramona we were saying last week it's quite funny because like she sort of knows they're going to make an ass of her so she resorts to just repeating are you kidding me like 11 times right whereas someone like Luann I think is much more frightened of looking a fool and so like you say she banks these lines as like zinger comebacks Mm -hmm. to try and match them but the truth is like she also completely misses the point it's interesting because even though we say that she's that i would say anyway that she's the housewife with the arguably the biggest change in circumstance despite that and over a over a decade's worth of documented evidence for her to review she remains one of the least self-aware women on new york and that's a pretty low bar as it is and it's that (laughs) lack of self-awareness that leads her to pick all the wrong battles to align herself normally with the wrong side of the argument Mm. and just be a complete hypocrite like you said but it also makes her this ridiculous source for me of unintentional hilarity and it's heightened by the fact that she's never quite in on the joke like she's always on the cusp of self-realization but she never quite gets there and that for me is what makes us such compelling television and it guarantees her longevity on this show because we want to see her get it but we know deep down that she never will and like you say she'll say like be cool don't be all uncool i don't think i'll do the impression be cool don't be all you know uncool that was a terrible impression oh god I've oh. sabotaged myself now <laughs> <laughs> however she says it my point being is that it's not like she thought oh i'm gonna say this really funny line now and then said it and it's not like she said it and then immediately thought good one lou or even necessarily thought it was funny when she watched the show it was began probably just because she saw all these people on twitter quoting it saying it was hilarious she so she's like realized objectively that it is funny but she still doesn't quite get why it's funny and then she's taken it and milked it for all it's worth and then decided like oh i'm the cool countess as if that's, that's really it isn't it exactly yeah. and then you have that great bit in the in the reunion where bethany kind of is like yeah i think that should be the name of your book like the cool countess and Luann immediately is like, yo, the Countess of Cool. And no, like, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> you need to just tie to like, it. take the air out of it, Luann. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I get why people love Luann mm-hmm. in terms of they think she's great television. Mm-hmm. And I do agree with that. But I guess the thing I find insufferable about her is the fact that I don't think she gets that people sort of love her ironically yes i mean i can't speak for everyone some people may genuinely love her but i feel like people love her because she's good television not because they're like i think you're a great person and i just think there's something very narcissistic about her love for that love we were talking about it the other day peak luann like i honestly don't know if it gets better than the moment when they're on that boat going to the sandbar and the group of guys start singing yes. Chic C'est La Vie. And she does literally look like she's going to have an orgasm. And she, it's the way they she's like, Chic C'est La Vie, yeah. they know my music. I, I went, Rocky Balboa just then. But she's like, she's like, mm, they know my, she's like, yes. And her like arms are up and yeah. she literally, she's she just so can't giddy. Fit. She's like, Ugh! and it's yeah. like, yeah, they know your music because your music is awful and is played in like clubs everywhere and is like it's the kind of thing i would listen to which is not a good thing yeah right exactly she feeds off that love from people or that like attention this is why i mean i know we'll we'll get onto her like illustrious music career but it's like the fact that every song of hers has like come from a quote or something from the show that people took to on twitter yeah like pause for burp 
<laughs> you started being able to spot them in a really annoying way. I'm cutting them out. My, I, my, <laughs> I'm saving you here. <laughs> it's so weird as well because I've never considered myself to be like a particularly like gassy person. Um, like my acid reflux is normally quite on point, but talking about this women, <laughs> these women, it like brings it out in me. It really does, yeah. Literally, yeah, um, yeah. I was like, my body was having like a physical reaction to. I don't know whether it's actually because I because of my the the combination of me doing an impression of her and then like moving around. Yeah, a lot. you were really moving like, and shaking. Yeah, yeah, and also like taking your voice to that low register, yeah. it's just like throwing your body out of kilter. <laughs> She's burping all the time on the show. I'm they just sure cut it she out. Is. Yeah. Um, but yes, like. It, 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 that side of her, I totally am with you that I'm like, don't get me wrong, I think she's great TV. I don't mm-hmm. like hate watching her. She just makes my skin crawl a bit. I mean, I'm aware I've said that about a lot of the women on the show. So it's like, maybe I should just stop watching. But I find her giddiness when someone's on her side so irritating. Or when Ooh, she's someone's okay. new person. Like, I find Luann's desperation to be like, in with someone really gets under my skin can you can you give me an example i'm kind of i'm trying to think of um like in the third season when she's like jill's go-to person because jill's on the outs with bethany Mm -hmm. and the way that she like buys her the glass or like every scene of theirs is then together and suddenly they're like ride or die friends where i'm like but you weren't Mm -hmm. And I suppose it's similar to her being loved in a slightly like ironic way. I think the way she sort of like, to be honest, I'm going to put it out there. I I find this quite hard with all the women, the way that they just like bounce between each other according to whoever they're annoyed with. Sure. Whoever they're annoyed with means that then they're just suddenly friends with the other one. I generally find that quite irritating to watch on TV. But with Luann, I feel the way she like... I, I will I, I'll almost never forgive her for the way she wades in in that famous Jill Bethany apartment argument. To me, that's just like a perfect yes. example of what I mean. Right in the middle of Jill and Bethany, having their moment on TV that is important both for their argument and as we've spoken about, is like personally quite important. Mm-hmm. Luanne can't help herself kind of wading in with cups of tea and then being like oh i've ordered an uber and i just needed to get her out of there and stuff and it's like fuck off yeah it wasn't about you it's not your moment no jill's life wasn't in danger it's that part of luann that i find very like she really is and i don't mean this i know bethany says it as an insult but i would just say objectively she is a bit serpentine she is a bit of a snake it's that i think she's yeah it's like it's sneaky and it's like it's the same for me when she when she chooses a thing to be a fight as like a storyline and it doesn't matter if there's like huge gaping holes in her logic she just like goes in 100% like the whole her whole fight with Carol over Adam has such ginormous holes in the logic and yeah. she's constantly pointed out to that it's like a contradiction or that she's a hypocrite and she just doesn't care And I find it's all like part of the same thing, which is like her. I think what I'm trying to say is like Alex McCord, I think that Luann is sometimes shown up as like, she just doesn't do the show very well. And the problem is that these programs thrive off of the people who are very at ease with the, the concept and certain people just really 
nail that. And I guess that's like just a privilege for us as an audience on TV because it, it, it's very easy to go along with as like reality. So every now and then it's quite jarring and it can feel quite like annoying to watch when someone just quite awkwardly attempts to be good TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I link those two things together because her wading in on that argument was a perfect example of how she was like trying to kind of like become involved and like spur the action on or be part of that storyline where she just shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's the same thing when she like makes a whole storyline for herself over something quite innocuous or like when she became obsessed about the women barging into her room being like, no, I think they were trying to catch me with someone. I'm like, you're trying to make yourself a story line that I just don't think is a thing mm-hmm. I find that just quite like meh I think that's the good side of Luan is that it is just her her attempts to make good TV always fall flat however you can guarantee that there will be some offshoot off of that that inadvertently makes it good TV do you know what I mean right her getting annoyed about Heather and Carol walking into the bedroom and then her coming down in that whole performance like I've written copious notes just on her look alone it's just oh my god well we have to talk about that yeah 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 so let's take it all the way back to the beginning yeah sorry I feel like I just muddied the waters with that that was like very much a personal hot take on just like I guess I would draw sort of comparisons to like Aviva Mm -hmm. and the same way I felt that just like occasionally um just I think Luanne can be a little clunky Mm mm-hmm in a way that I suppose the whole walking contradiction we were just talking about can be frustrating for your like logic as a viewer that someone can't see their own bad performance. Yes. No, so that. yes, let's let's take it back to um to original decorum oh, yes. based OG Countess Luan. I would say that the decorum Countess Luan is probably the the dominant avatar of Luan for the probably the first four seasons, more or less. And I think, and this is the least popular iteration of Luan, and it's the most superficial and it's the most one note. It's still funny inadvertently, but th- there's no semblance of her being even close to in on the joke. But well, I she's do... far more self-conscious, isn't she? Yeah. She's like, yeah. she's very aware of her image. And in a way, to be honest, that's one of the reasons she's like a bit insufferable at the beginning is because she her obsession with like something being déclassé mm-hmm. and stuff is very impenetrable and gives her kind of like airs and graces in a very frustrating yeah. way on the show and like I you d- say she's not in she's not in on it at all right I am willing to cut her some slack though because I feel like there should be a bit of a honeymoon period for any housewife in their first season especially when it's the first season of the show proper and also I can imagine that there is a bit of pressure on her because I can just imagine her getting on the show because Jill bumped into her in a party in the Hamptons, found yeah. out that she was a countess, and then suddenly had Andy Cohen on the phone and was like, oh my God, we've got a countess, you know? And then suddenly it's like, oh, I've got to play up to this shtick. And also Luann is, I, I sympathize with her here and I cut her a bit of slack because she is lumbered with like the thankless housewives role. And it's an archetype that exists in all of the franchises and it's key to establishing the context Mm. of the city and getting the drama up and running. And that role is the boring uptight one who enforces the status quo and like harps on about the do's and don'ts. And if you want to make it in this society, you have to do this. And they basically exist solely to get foiled again and again by like the renegade outsider that the audience likes better, inevitably. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like someone I has to play. I completely that role. agree. I think that's really true. And also, I didn't find Luan particularly insufferable in her first season. Like, I think she fills that role very well. And 
I totally agree with what you're saying about like, you kind of can't count anyone's performance in that first season because it's an establishing season. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like finding their feet and being allocated their kind of parts. And to be honest, I would kind of say that for her first two seasons. Like, Mm. I feel she was like fairly inoffensive. She delivered some amazing moments. Like um, one of my favorites is when she's on the phone to the pizza delivery company. And uh, she orders the two pizzas under counter. And counters de la And then like and throws then she, her head back and laughs yeah. manically. Like it's hilarious. And of course the guy is like, what? And she's like, like, oh, he, exactly. doesn't he doesn't get it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why yeah. would he? You crazy like, person. <laughs> exactly. She like, it's like the, the driver thing. Like, you're so right. She established the scene very well of the world that we're like entering. And of course, like right. they've all been told to massively big up like the stakes of each party or person or designer or fashion they're all so up themselves in that first season apart mm-hmm. from like maybe bethany where it's not like not the norm what she's mm-hmm. doing oh and not alex either of course bethany is by far the most telegenic of the initial women and i think that as fun and as funny as she can be she she can only be as good as the material that she's given and mm-hmm. um probably up there with ramona Luan gives her the most material to riff off of. And it gets to the point where I almost do see Bethany and Luan almost as this like unintentional double act where Luan's the straight man setting up the joke for Bethany to give the punchline and just sneak it out of the park. And with things like ordering the pizza or saying, you got to call me Mrs. Deleceps in front of the driver, we're guaranteed to be given a funny Bethany line in her talking head. And we wouldn't have that if Luanne wasn't giving us that. It's like, I always think about when Mm -hmm. they, in season three, where they meet up in the Hamptons and Bethany rides up in the skinny girl car and Luanne's like, oh, that's hysterical, which is her thing. It's a really passive aggressive thing when she wants to take the piss out of something, but kind of keep her hands clean. She just says it's hysterical. Yeah. If if she hadn't said that and poked fun at it, we wouldn't have had Bethany calling her a dumb drag queen. You know, right, all of exactly. her best moments exist because of Luanne or someone giving her, saying something stupid for her to send up. She does also just like, have I remember one of the things I find quite icky about Luann is I don't I think it's in the second season where she's giving Bethany dating tips yeah I find that bit really gives me the ick where she's like generally these these women have this very like archaic um oh I'm gonna sneeze pause for sneeze nope it's gone false alarm They have this very archaic thing with dating of like, you've got to make a man feel all big and strong and you've got to be a little bit of a damsel. And I'm just like, I'm sure they're probably right. And like, maybe, maybe that's the depressing truth of dating. But that whole bit between Bethany and Luann, where Luann's sort of like doing a little sort of impression of how you want to be. And the whole thing is just like a bit. Again, it's so heavy handed. And I think in her head, I mean, to be fair, Luanne has great game, certainly in the later years when she is when she's single and ready to mingle. But if and again, I'm not the target audience, so I wouldn't necessarily know. But if I was sitting opposite Luanne de Lesseps, who cuts a very imposing figure, and then she was doing this like cutesy, all shoulders schoolgirl routine, like leaning and like, what? I can't hear you, huh? That would be terrifying. <laughs> you can get me out of that restaurant fast enough, and I do anything for a free meal. 
I yeah so I love that and then just the sight of Bethany sitting there being like oh okay and like her eyes yeah she gives her very good material and like generally I feel Luann gave herself such a great arc by this whole like class Mm -hmm. with the countess book and persona and this thing of like I'm going to give lessons in decorum and do's and don'ts of society and putting it in print only to like decide that you kind of want to be yourself on a show that has a side in which you want to just get like shit faced and fuck a load of guys and you have this book in existence called Class with the Countess it's amazing it's like the ultimate uh, ultimate antithesis it's like what does Dorinda say which what (laughs) what was I saying I sent it to you the other day which is like say it you're right forget it write it regret it regret it (laughs) wise words It was interesting because Bethany was really giving her a hard time for that. And not that I necessarily disagree with that, but it's, again, Luann, there's nothing wrong necessarily with Luann writing a book about etiquette and her experience of being a countess, but she did it in, I mean, I've never read the book, but I can't imagine that she would write it like this, but it could work really well if she played up to who she really is, which is a girl from the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. She fell into this kind of like, lifestyle of jet setting and European aristocracy that was so beyond her experience and she felt like a fish out of water and there could have been so many funny anecdotes about how clueless she was rather than it just being a very dogmatic list of do's and don'ts and darling you don't do that. Exactly the whole thing comes across as if she's saying some people naturally have class and here is how to be classy and I think that there's something very like condescending and patronizing about that by implying it's like something you like you say because she doesn't really own that it's like this was my experience of this world and this is what I've learned Mm -hmm. it feels more like she's making this whole thing of being like I've had this very like rich life kind of across Europe and like I'm just imparting to people the way that I naturally am have this kind of god-given grace Mm -hmm. And I get why that's very irritating for the other women. And also, come on, Luann, she's a pain in the arse. Like, her one-upmanship. It's that immortalized in a book of just, like, her whole... She kind of has to have the richest life in the room. And I don't mean, like, financially, but I mean, like, any group of new people, it's like, I think she has to feel as though she's lived the most interesting life. And I feel like the book was kind of the epitome of that, Mm -hmm. that it was, like... Now I can like share this and give that to other people. When the truth is that like, especially with the introduction of the new women, to me, it feels a bit like Luann is quite bad at just like sitting and listening and being interested in someone else's Mm -hmm. life. And class with the Countess just stank of that, that it's like she made herself the final word in everything. Mm -hmm. And that's very irritating that she made herself the person where it's like, well, we should ask Luanne because Luanne wrote a whole book on how to be a human. Yeah. It doesn't have any humility to it. She really puts herself in a corner as well where, first of all, no one cares that you're a countess. But also, even if you did care, it's not the very top of the of the totem pole and i'm sure she didn't expect it but then when like three years later an actual princess comes along then you're suddenly you've lost that authority even though the princess doesn't care she couldn't give a shit but if those are the rules that you're playing by then that you've lost the game exactly and her slight sort of ruffling at that felt very palpable Mm -hmm. in terms of a sense not it doesn't have to be so literal and again this is where i think luann herself gets very bogged down in being a bit like no i don't care you know i'm a countess she's a princess like good for her or whatever where it's like no we're not talking about the literal like whether someone's a countess or whether someone's a princess to me it felt more like people were um slightly deferring 
to Carol more because she'd worked at like CNN her whole mm-hmm. life and had a level of intelligence and life experience and had lost her husband. Yeah. And it felt more like the deference came from like she raised the stakes in terms of like intelligence and style and like she and she just had a very different and kind of cool Mm -hmm. and I felt like Luann got very bogged down in thinking it was about her being a princess and that she had to kind of like say she didn't care as in like it's fine there are countesses and there are princesses and like everyone's different and it's like no the reality is what's threatening is someone who potentially has more life experience than you guys in a different kind of way and that threatens this sense of like Luann's the person to go to for the final word in conduct. Well, I'm clever as well. I mean, I say Carol Rad's a vil instead of Carol Rad's a will because I'm from Europe and I know that in Europe they say Carol Rad's a vil. It's, it's so obnoxious. Can we talk um, about, it may just be one scene or two scenes. For me, it just they all kind of blur together. Those scenes, again, like the first couple of seasons where she does a lot of charity work and she goes to speak to people about God knows what, but you know, when she like goes to see those kids... And oh, don't. I, I know I wanted to go back and rewatch the scene and take notes, but I, I couldn't bring myself to uh, do it. I, I find it cr- so cringeworthy just to think about. But when that, that girl says she wants to be a model and it, it should be by the by, but she happens to not be like a size zero. And Luann just gives her this like really ham fisted advice and then ends up with saying, and losing weight is the easy part. And the girl's like 12 and it's just, there's so it's many. So painful. <sighs> and also it's one of those things where like, Again, Luann's one of the few people I would say on the show where she, she lacks the self-awareness or the humility to do something like that and come off as humble. She just can't seem to do charity work on the show without coming off like, it's my privilege right. to pass down this knowledge. She comes off as so self-congratulatory always. Mm-hmm. And so where like, again, it all just ties into such an aggrandized sense of self. Mm-hmm. And it plays into that thing of how Luann is very surface and takes everything for it's it's very obvious meaning and she can't really like dig any deeper than that so her idea of doing charity work is just turning up and giving them the grace of her experience and her travels and as if i like i don't know what these kids need but i I know they certainly don't need to hear you waffling on about how your husband's family built the suez canal like they could not give less of a shit like who is this mad woman exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so cringy yeah her charity work and come on we've got to take a moment for Luann's music career oh my god I think the first time I gave Chic Say La Vie a proper listen was actually it was about six and a half years ago and it was when I was in the house we used to live in in Cambridge and I was revising I was cramming for my final <laughs> exams and I thought it would be a good idea the morning of to listen to Chic Say La Vie babe you're not going to find any answers in there <laughs> It was initially to just give my my brain a bit of a breather because I was in revision mode. But because of that, <laughs> I, was, I was soaking up every line, every visual. And I was like, with this like thirst for knowledge. And I ended up like fusing this weird rap about etiquette over a techno beat with like Kierkegaard's writings on Sophocles. And I think from that point on, I've always kind of like held Luan at this like weirdly like lofty level, like given her a weightier <laughs> importance than she probably deserved. But again, like her music career there's so much there was so much ample opportunity for her to like do that but have the self-awareness to be like I know I'm not a great singer and it's fun and it's just like silly and it's all tech it's been like made into techno right. kind of gay club anthems and that's fun and I'm a personality but again like she takes herself so seriously and she has so little self-awareness for like sort of when she's being sent up or like 
like even by the show i'm like how how could you not watch back the way the show was edited her singing elegance is love in that bit where she's like elegance is love how could you not watch that and be like cool i'm being sent up on this so i better have a sense of humor about it and like make it a thing but she doesn't she like pushes through with all those moments where she'll kind of turn to Sonia and be like do Carol and Bethany have two dance tracks on Spotify uh no and it's like I've got a Pandora station do they oh my god God. like Uh, fucking hell like she oh god she's the worst I know when she like walks into the studio to record Money Can't Buy You Class and she's like oh I feel like James Brown ho and it's just like this 50 year old woman in a furry gilet like James Brown would be rolling around in his grave if you get it it's horrific (laughs) like I just and then and, and then like the music itself the way like we said that every song I think the worst one for me was Girl Code where it's like to cash in and make a whole song on something that you've both invented, but then like categorically go on to like break in such a ridiculous way that it's like, you're just such a walking hypocrite. Like it's, it's right. And I know I get too bogged down in, in it myself where it's like the show is ridiculous. I don't know why I care, but that was such a, to make this whole thing of being like, they broke the girl code. And so I got my daughter to record a song with me all about like girl code and what that is. And then like the next season to date someone who's like been out and slept with like two of your friends. Yeah. (laughs) And like, again, it's like, just have the self-awareness to at least self-reference and be like, oops, I broke the girl code. Mm -hmm. How stupid are you? I know. I know. Yeah. No, I agree. What are her other songs? I'm, oh, Money... How could I forget? Money Can't Buy You Class. I am more of a Chic Say La Vie kind of guy. And I really... I've never been to one of her cabaret shows, but I I want to know if she updates the kind of like the breakdown. You know, when she like goes through and she's like... When she starts to Kelly, bring your jelly beans. <laughs> Alex, bring your Simon. And... <laughs> does she have one for tinsley now yeah or dorinda well i reckon they do change because i think in episodes where you see her rehearse those songs there's always like weird rap bits in the middle that sound very updated oh okay to being about like dating and but like the music is is um is insufferable quite literally she is a trailblazer and again we have to pay her her dues because probably with along with kim zolciak on atlanta she really was the first of her kind in establishing the trope of a wannabe singer who spends a lot of money like melissa gorga exactly and is terrible at it and she was kind of like the best of the best and i genuinely do think that there's been no better song than chic say la vie call me old-fashioned yeah she did walk so melissa gorga could run but like absolutely I feel like Melissa Gorga knows what she is and what she's bringing. And to me, nothing will beat Luann dropping the kind of bombshell at that reunion that she's going into Chicago and being like, (gasps) being like, so fuck you all. Because like, she's a bit like, if I didn't have, if I didn't have a wonderful voice, would I be going into Broadway? So yeah. Yeah. Right. Only for her to then not be going into to Chicago. not get the part and they cast Erica Jane another housewife on another who's show. another also, housewife no offense but it's Roxy in Chicago on Broadway like every Tom, Dick and Harry like I'm the only actor in New York who hasn't played Roxy <laughs> in Chicago like that's how it feels you know it's like Lisa Rinna did it 15 years ago but that was just a moment where I was like right. know thyself know thyself here, here. but also she could not sing that part I know that everyone's done it but like it is also 
you have to we have to just call a spade a spade Luanne can't mm. sing if that's going to be proved by anything it's by every time she dredges out happy birthday right. yeah. whenever it's any of their birthdays and she can't even sing that that's literally the most universal song of all time and she's like happy yeah. birthday <laughs> to, to you like, a it's... skinny girl birthday <laughs> But again, like kind of going back to the point I was saying last week, how she is impervious to the slings and arrows of these other women, where they will call mm. her the biggest whore in front of her face, and she doesn't even flinch. And it's the same thing. Yeah, she's got like, balls. I've got to say, gone, like... She's gone like a good 10 years with people just saying again and again, she cannot sing for Toffee, and she's never really given an answer. And I don't quite know how she's got yeah, away Yeah, that is one thing I do have to give Luanne credit for, is like, she's a tough broad. Like mm. they they sling cookie. a they sling a lot of shit at her, and mm. I honestly don't know whether she has so little self awareness that she's just impervious to it because she thinks so much of herself, or yeah. whether she sort of knows it's a TV show and and in a way is quite good at it on that front because she's able to kind of move on. But I I do give credit to the fact that like she comes back each season with kind of a new blowout and just like a blank slate she she, she is quite like breezy about it all mm. yeah she really it is water off a duck's back and i think I, I i feel like it's a good time unless you have more stuff from those early years to kind of like move on to season five when the new girls join and the kind of the yes. new phase of luann so first of all i'm kind of surprised that luann in her first iteration on the show actually survived the great housewives purge because at that point, Luan was still that kind of a quite like a, a one dimensional character. And apart from the, releasing she, those songs, she was still remained to her core, this frustratingly prim countess type, mm, which only has so much mileage. She, she served up good in Morocco. I think that that's... Oh, yeah. I think that's why. I think season four, she was more interesting because Morocco and she had some banging quotes from... She's actually never been wittier. She's actually quite smart in, in Morocco. And I don't know if it's just because yeah. she's fighting against Alex and she doesn't really care about her and it's such an easy fight, but she's so quick. It's like Alex, Ramona and Sonia. They're easy people. I, I honestly think that's one of the things that really was a game changer with people like Carol and Heather and then like even Aviva to a point and then like Bethany coming back is these are smart women right. and I do think that Morocco trip Luan was the best of a bad bunch in terms of like quick-wittedness yeah and because you're right like she had all of that stuff like about the Herman Munster shoes and stuff like even Louis Vuitton makes mistakes like she that's quite like a zinger for Luan and but she couldn't have pre-planned oh did you yeah but I did? imagine that no I just imagine that that was like an hour's worth of conversation and like that's one of the best bits they pull out whereas Mm -hmm. it's very clear when someone like bethany is back on the show even the fact that her talking heads quite often will have like multiple talking heads stitched together because she's giving so much material Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a nightmare for the other women when that's who they're pitted against and they and they own it even ramona says quite often in later seasons like she says about when carol and bethany start fighting she's like when we all go up against bethany she kind of wipes the floor with us but this is crazy because we're watching two people like properly get into it with each other rather than bethany doing her thing where she just goes like you fuck everyone and like just going off on one and that person being left you know luann standing there being like will you have the same haircut as me like it's you know they're properly like getting into the nitty-gritty with it so i agree that i think morocco luann's kind of never been better because she was top dog surrounded by her harem of women 
getting henna done. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that, we go into it in great depth in on the Alex, Alex episode, episode the oh. second episode, and it's it's really a, a wonder to behold how Alex comes in all guns blazing, and Luann just gaslights her and turns the focus back onto fight. Alex. It's so effortlessly done. Anyway, but I yeah, so she she stuck around. Yeah, so she survived, and then. We then have the new phase of Luan, which is kind of what Carol would call just Luan. And she's this Luan, she's now single. She's found love with a really nice Frenchman called Jacques. She hula hoops. She crawls through the sand to pet stray dogs and she fucks a pirate and then lies about it. And I think that oh my is, God. is really oh. something we have to unpack. That's, that's, that's a biggie. Yeah, we have to talk about uh, Pirate Gate. It's such an interesting yeah. one, isn't it? Because I was watching that season and I was like, oh, Luann's fairly inoffensive in this season. Like, she's not mm-hmm. bugging me that much. And then Pirate Gate happens. And I was like, ah, yes. It's, there's, oh, there's so many levels to it. First of all, the way she behaves on that particular night out and the way that I'm sure that the editing is to blame here, but her kind of obsession with the second she's walked in and she's spotted the person she likes and she can't stop mm-hmm. being like, it's crazy how much he looks like Johnny Depp. And then she's like, I really like her, her Johnny Depp boyfriend. Um, God, doesn't he look so like Johnny Depp? And it's like, yes, we get it. The guy looks like Johnny Depp. You like him. Like she's, yeah. she's like target on balls. Up. Like she's, she is like the Terminator. I just imagine it's just like all red. And then she's like targeted in on this poor. Literally like it's yeah, amazing. It's one of the first times that we see like the Luan like out hunting kind of Luan yeah. yeah yeah from a safe distance though it's fun to watch and it's interesting it's like it a it's like a, a Richard Attenborough documentary well, it, like just it's, Luan in the wild it's interesting whenever we see these women do exactly the kind of dating advice they're they're giving and I find it really cringe in the same way that I personally wouldn't necessarily want my friends to watch me dating because sometimes I don't think it's a good thing but I I think we we are like a slightly different altered version of ourselves on something like a date I would love to be fully myself Mm -hmm. but like there's something very cringe about watching Luann hearing Luann being like you know I I don't want to be I don't want to be like your other girls I want to be like no I'm special (laughs) Toma Toma I'm special like it's it's cringe it's like yeah and then of course we have but hey she gets the job done you can't fault she gets the job done and then we get this amazing thing of her um um her dreadful performance the next morning oh my god of oh my god it was the it was the best thing i bumped into this bunch of italian friends and oh we just had the best evening and uh me and my italian friends we came back here and uh and my my italian friends were here and we just had the most italian evening yeah (laughs) we just ate pizza and and had grappa and it was just so weird so just for any context for anyone who hasn't seen it she ended up getting the guy who looks like johnny depp and he's also they're all dressed as pirates for some reason so it just like is another layer onto the whole thing and she takes him home and she has sex with him um and then as you say lies about it and it's just this so labored it's classic luan she's a terrible liar the fact that the friends have to be italian these made-up friends have to be italian for some reason elevates it to this kind of level of a, like sexy continental soap opera yeah. you know it's, it's again <laughs> but then what's so good is and is so classic luan is that she takes the effort to like lay this lie on so thick and to literally go to every single one of the women the next morning and be like oh my god i had the best evening (laughs) like to make sure to like no one's asked her and also to like lie to people who know that she didn't because like they woke up that night and saw her like but she what's amazing is that she does that and then like gets on the phone with her mic on and just says that she lied and that 
Toma was there to her friend in like Franglais, yeah. basically, in like very basic French. And like, obviously the cameras pick that up and translate it. And also like the other women are there and I'm like, a lot of those women aren't stupid. Like it's not hard to translate what she's saying. Right. And it's just such a Luan moment that it's like, why bother to have laboured that lie so much only to like dob yourself in on TV? Like, I love how she ooh, ends the call as well when she's like, I never change, right? Like, she I know, knows. she's like, this classic is like a me. glimmer of old Luan. Oh, it makes me so giddy. And the genius of it is, it then resolves itself in the most narratively satisfying way when the pirate comes back the next night, Sonia fucks him, and Luan has no option but to just sit there and grin and bear it because yeah. and like she's not bothered <laughs> because, because of this lie that everyone knows that she's lying about. It's genius. Mwah, chef's kiss. I love it. It is. Yeah, it's a, it's a very chef's kiss like little storyline that they have. And the show deserves like an Emmy for that storyline. I would really like to talk about season six Luan because I think it's actually and it's 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 strange because season six for Luan is the only season in her entire run where she was not a full-time housewife but it was also I think her best season her best showing so she after season five wrapped there was like a a good year-long gap between seasons five and six Uh because the housewives you know word on the street is Aviva would say um, they weren't happy with their pay and they were negotiating new contracts with um, uh-huh. with their producers and ultimately the women won out and it's really funny because they clearly had to get paid a lot more and the producers are really bitter about it and they like punish the women for the rest of the season by like sending them to like Montana for their big group trip and Heather's <laughs> house come garage in the Berkshires whereas like last season they were on like a tropical holiday they went to London yeah yeah <laughs> um, it's just really funny just like shoving them all in like cowboy attire and just like letting them run yeah sorry well, budget cut yeah yeah yeah. and anyway so the and luann supposedly was like the very last to get her contract finalized and she was absent for the first few episodes of filming and so they just made her a friend of pretty much a friend of in name only because she's in it as much as she would normally be and it's also weird because it's a very season six is like a very scattered season in general because i don't know if you remember like aviva's missing in action for a few episodes they take her out of the opening credits it's a it's a weird it one, is really season odd. Six. I, but also like we've talked before in the aviva episode about how it also reaches a climax where it becomes like so ridiculous and like it feels like the show's kind of lost grip a bit and it feels like they go away and they come back like reset with season seven right also i think because season six i think maybe because of the the negotiations with the contract it's like thrown the filming schedule off kilter and they're filming in new york in the dead of summer which is hell on earth and it just feels like a Mm. big fever dream that kind of like never happened in a way yes I remember watching season six when we were doing the um, Aviva episode and stuff and and finding her very, I've actually got written down like fairly inoffensive. Yes. Like I found her very like fine. And I remember having a moment of being like, why do I find Luanne so annoying? Because it like lulled me into a sense of like, she's actually like quite funny. And she, I definitely, I think, yeah, it's a strong season for her in terms of likability. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's because of the low stakes of being a friend of, maybe a bit of that. Maybe I think Jacques is actually a very good influence on her. He's such a likable chap. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely, so nice. uh, there's a lightness to Luan. And also Paradox, mm-hmm. she is like more grounded as well. And I think the advantage of all these outdoorsy trips that they're doing is that we do get to see this other side of Luan that's more likable, who's kind of like very outdoorsy and adventurous and she's very resilient. 
also after years and years of her bashing us over the head about how she's an authority on etiquette it's actually nice to see when Kristen gets her face cut up by ramona throwing a glass at her to see luann who actually used to be a nurse kind of like dusting off that hat right. and kind of like coming to the rescue and it's like oh you actually I do totally know something agree. about something I 100% agree. Yeah, I like Luanne that season. And it's also for me when she does kind of really start to emerge as like an outright source of comic relief. I was watching it with Michael at the beginning of lockdown and she really I have to say she was really making me laugh out loud and she was completely unaware of how funny she could be but there would be these like blink and you'd miss it moments where like there was one uh scene where they're at a dinner and it's all the women and their husbands and Luanne's at the head of the table with Jacques and the camera just like turns to Luanne and she has a spoon with like the biggest mountain of mashed potato on it and she just like (laughs) eats it in one go but like really daintily with like her pinky sticking out like it's like a little like spoon of like caviar and there's just something (laughs) about like big pumpkin head Luanne it's like this big jolly giant and when Ramona and Kristen uh in the lake and they're arguing there's like a split second where you just see Luanne in a canoe by herself just going past in the background like you know like very serene (laughs) like she's Pocahontas going around the river bend I don't know it just makes Uh. me I love it and it's it's the also the only time that Carol and Heather who are the only sane people on the show at that point like her and I think that says a lot. To be honest, I was going to say that I, I think it says a lot that from from memory, the next time I found Luanne insufferable was through her fighting with Carol. And I think, I think her fight with Carol was a really bad look on her mm-hmm. and certainly lost a lot of love from me in terms of... The, I have no doubt, by the way, that Carol Radzewill, like can probably be very annoying or be like she seems to be late all the time she's probably very flaky like that's very irritating but of all the things to kind of pick a fight with her over the adam thing was luann felt so in the wrong there were these big holes in her logic over like what it was she was upset over yes and oh hang on this comes first right just check off off the record this comes before don't be uncool it kind of it sort of happens in tandem. So at the very beginning of the season, she has Heather and Carol over to her house in the Hamptons and in the Hamptons and Adam's her personal chef. And that's when Carol first meets him. And then we spend the rest of the season, Carol's sort of being courted by Adam, but Luann doesn't really know. And then midway through the season, someone says to Luann, after she does find out like, oh, how do you feel about this? And she says, oh, well, he's young. I mean, he's Sonia young. And then that kind of pisses Carol off at first. But they kind of, it's not enough to start a full-blown argument. And it really seems to be that it only kind of gets going once they've wrapped filming season seven. At the reunion, this is what I was going to say. Exactly. And then it's mainly season what eight. I was, that's it. And I think what really annoyed me with that fight was that Luanne basically seemed okay with it and then sort of decided she had a problem with it. And... I just felt like it was a very disingenuous storyline. It felt like it had been manufactured by Luanne to be like something she had a problem with. And that's why I think there are such holes in her logic, because I don't think she can decide whether her argument is you picked up a member of my staff and that's very bad etiquette Mm -hmm. or whether her argument is he's like family to me and that's really weird because he's a bit like a nephew. like, And also just she, that he's really young, which shouldn't be a reason why, but it's like another thing that she just throws in there as well. Just, right, and yeah. it's just like, the whole thing is like very irritating because, but actually it wasn't necessarily, even though I thought she had some really low blows, like when she kind of like laughed at Carol for not having children. Yeah, that was, and like, yeah. She, it's look. just like, it just, no. And she's like a terrible fighter, I think, Luanne. Like, she she's, really she is. She just can't, she, she's just awful. Mm. 
But actually, what frustrated me far more was in the aftermath of their argument, the way that, like, Luan keeps being like, you know, we both said bad things. You know, we both said things we regret. And Cal keeps being like, say one thing that I said. And she's like, well, I don't want to look back on the past. And it's like, no, she's like, it's fine. I'm telling you, you can look back. Tell me one thing. And she's like, well, no, come on. We both said bad. And I'm like, you are, and that really bugs me. It's what we were talking about last time. Yeah. It's so annoying. It's like a problem on the show if you can't, if you can't own your shit. And some people on the show are very good at owning their shit and good at being like, I screwed up and I see what the problem was. And like, even Ramona, as irritating as it is that she always, like, apologises, she just, like, blurts about and apologises, but she does own it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Luann, what was so frustrating was she was acting as if she'd also been a victim in it. Yeah. Where it was, like, she just needed to apologise and, like, I thought she handled that whole argument with very little grace. Yeah. And, like, I'm basically reprimanding her for that. I thought it was a really shoddy look. And I thought that Carol made her look very stupid by doing very little. Carol sort of didn't fight it that much. Mm-hmm. And Luann kind of shot herself in the foot. Yeah. No, it was one of those examples where we didn't even need a Bethany or someone to say anything snarky. Like, she really did send we herself just knew. Like, that was, And that's the thing about Lu- Luann is that she's always so close to being a fan favourite or so close to kind of getting there and being likeable. And she just, she never gets it and she never will. And she just always screws and it I, up. I think... Personally, I think that what's really interesting is the way that the don't be all uncool situation happened in the middle of this. And I think if that had happened without this fight with Carol then happening, Mm -hmm. Luanne would have had people on side quite a lot in terms of this whole like cool countess. But I think it happened at the same time. And I think that's why she then wanted to fix the fight with Carol quite she was quite like doggedly trying to fix it but not owning it mm-hmm. at the beginning of the next season and I think it's because it was like a stain on her rep at that point where like and Carol keeps saying it in the show she's like no what happened is that you suddenly saw that you look bad yeah. on Twitter and everything and now you're backtracking mm-hmm. it was a similar thing to the Ramona Bethany situation in season 9 that we were talking about where also we have Luan who wants to keep things moving without really taking accountability and then we have Carol who's just not that interested in being friends with her and it's not it's she's not even holding on to any grudge about it it's kind of just said with the shrug no, of the sh- shoulders like, it's like we're not friends and it's fine like i won't come to things if you're there and it's not that big a deal exactly and luann actually is like quite freaked by right. that because it's like exactly mm-hmm. that's 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 so true and i think that's one of the things i really like about carol is that she doesn't i think she she makes like bethany she can say quite scathing things in her talking head but I genuinely think I recognise them as jokes. A lot of people, that there was a whole point where they were all being like, you're a bit of a mean girl because you say it behind people's back, where I thought she just knows how to do like running commentary, right. a bit like yeah. Bethany. Yeah. But what I like about Carol is that generally she doesn't like do jabs on people in like, I feel like Luann occasionally, a bit like Ramona, can say quite like nasty jabs or asides when she's drink or whatever and there were a lot about like adam or the pedophile thing and stuff like that where i guess 
the hypocrisy really bugs me that she does that, but then she'll like jump on something someone else has done as being like, that was really hurtful when you said I couldn't sing or whatever and making it a whole, how do you, how do you think that made me feel, Bethany? Or something. And it's like, but you do stuff like that all the time. And then if someone says that, she's a bit like, oh, for God's sake, what you gonna, what you gonna hold me up right, to that? Yeah. Like, come on. That was, that was so obviously like, I thought it was funny. And I'm like, that bugs me because that's like a walking contradiction thing yeah. where it's like, and it's one that Bethany does very well, which is on the whole, she she can take it as well as she gives it. Whereas Luann does this thing of like getting very upset at anything anyone else says. But then if she's ever held to account on like her own behavior, shrugging it off as like, it's why it really bugs me in the bit when they're like, your guy was married. And she's like, <laughs> like, and she like finds herself really funny because she's like, shit happens. Sure, yeah. And it's like, cool. Well, like, so what is it? Are you really laid back and cool right. and you don't care what people say? Because I feel, basically, I feel like she wants to be like Carol and not really care. But the truth is she does care and she gets very het up when like something upsets her. Yeah, you know, you can't I, I, like pretend yeah. to be cool. No, I get it. I get it. Can we, can we just pick apart the, um, don't be all like uncool scene a bit just because i kind of there's so much to unpack and also i really want to know what your feelings are so just for some context um they're on vacation as always (laughs) yep they're in turks and caicos and um the women all go out and then it's like heather carol dorinda Kristen maybe go home early and then the core team of mm. drunks Luan, Ramona and Sonia um, go out to look for some men and the morning after Heather she walks in on a sleeping naked man in the room next to her and she's rightfully horrified but then she like goes around the house like a hurricane accosting all the other women who are in various stages of undress and consciousness demanding to know who this man belongs to and the guy in question happens to be Ramona's but Ramona like the pro that she is she just punched the problem over to Luann so that she can get a bit more shut eye yeah so then Heather and Carol and a camera crew go into Luann's room and she's asleep and they want to get her side of the story and Luann does not appreciate this Five minutes later, Luann, she struts down the stairs. She's got so much swagger. She's got sunglasses on. Her voice is extra low. Her, her dressing gown's insane. untied. She's just there in a bikini or like a sports bra in her pants. And her body looks absolutely banging. And insane. she's still obviously loaded from the night before. And she probably like reeks of booze and cigarettes. And she just tells <laughs> Heather off for basically being an uptight priss and that she can fuck whoever she wants. And... She also says like, yeah, I did get laid last night, but I had the good sense to send the guy home because she's an old hand at this, you know, and you know, this isn't her first rodeo. And it's just, she's just, if you look up swagger in the dictionary, there's a picture of Luann in her dressing gown and sunglasses. I I love it. I've got to say like, she has huge swagger. And to be honest, I don't think, I don't think that whole situation would have bugged me if she'd stuck with that line of thought. And if she'd, continued that swagger through and if her whole argument had just been like dude like don't don't crash into my room like knock on the door and like if her argument had been like look i can sleep with whoever i want like i'm a 50 year old woman i actually would have respected it a lot more what bugged me was that the whole thing went from being this whole like it's cool thing to then she kind of tried to spin the whole thing to like this gross um misconduct from like carol 
Carol and Heather trying to like catch her out with a camera crew where I'm like, dude, you're on a reality TV show. Like that is just, I it's thought so such bullshit. Yeah. And weirdly, she gets very countessy about the whole thing and very high and mighty. And it becomes does, a bit yeah. about like etiquette and girl code. And then she also tries to spin the whole thing like me and this guy, we were like a shoulder to cry on for each other. He's going through a divorce. And I'm like, fuck right. off. Like the whole thing got spun into something which just categorically wasn't the narrative we saw. But then she also yeah. still tried to cash in on like that swagger and the cool countess thing. So I was just really annoyed about the combination is such a contradiction where I was like, you should have just stuck to your attitude being like, so true. give yeah. a shit. But instead she tried to turn it to being like, I'm allowed to do what I want, but also I wasn't doing anything wrong. And it's like, well, I, and don't get me wrong, like Carol and Heather do get very like head girly. They get themselves whipped into a bit of a frenzy, even the way... um. It's so good the thing where Heather, when she throws over the curtains and she's like, get yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, she's like a governess. She's something. like a matron. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's got like her full like Victorian governors on. And the way she's like wrapping her yeah, robe yeah. around herself. But like, it's funny. And like, I just wish they'd all been able to see that like they were all, they all became complete parodies of themselves right. oh, in that sure. moment. And it should have been something yeah. to laugh at. And instead, it all became very like, my privacy was violated. And then being like, my privacy was violated and yeah. i'm like guys you're all ridiculous like that is true i hadn't really thought but yeah luan does have those two alter egos sort of running in tandem at the same time and you see it when they're talking about it in the reunion where heather's saying oh and i felt unsafe having this man in the house and then bethany quips like oh it's a lot scarlett o'hara and then they're all laughing and, yes, and luan's yeah. like yeah scarlett o'hara and then suddenly when luan starts talking she then suddenly pivots to like, oh, and I felt so violated and I felt unsafe. And then right. Bethany's like, okay, now you're being Scarlett O'Hara. Like, Luan doesn't get it. Exactly. And it's like that that contradiction is is super yeah. annoying. And to me is like um, a, a perfect example of what we keep coming back to with Luan, which is like those two sides of herself mm. working in tandem and the the contradiction that she is that really and that that really comes to a head um in the next season we are coming on to the we're on the cusp of a new phase of luann and it's this luann who's loved up she's about to get married and she's pretended she's always been this way oh i yeah. actually think she is the most annoying iteration of luann and i've just been watching these seasons and i'm like it's bad enough when you have like a friend in a new relationship and it's really annoying. Mm. I don't want to have to watch it on Housewives as well. And she really is like the most irritating iteration of like, of, yeah. oh my God, she's so insufferable in that season, like with Sonia. And she has become such a like pastiche and her her self-awareness level drops to like yep. below freezing. Yep. Like, it's yeah. like down with the Titanic. It's that low. Like there are so many moments where I was practically mm -hmm. like shuddering in the face of like when they t when they rock up in Miami and she's like dancing by herself on like the yacht. There's a clip of her like dancing before people arrive. And she's like so, uh, it's like so self-satisfied. Yeah. Her smug levels are just We got the like, yacht. <laughs> oh my God. Like we got the yacht. And like her, also the bit where Sonia is trying to, trying to say to her and, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Like Sonia has like lots of levels of delusion and, you know, you and I have spoken privately about mm. how sad it is in that season, the way that the women kind of like gaslight Sonia into thinking she had this like full, 
she's it sort of goes from being like tom and i slept together a few times to like he was my lover as if it was like again it goes very tennessee williams and it's like it it's that in itself is a lot but there's a moment where sonia's trying to talk to luann about being like i'm happy for you and she's clearly trying to have one of those moments where it's like look at me like i'm happy for you and i get it and luann just can't deal because because in any way it's making her feel like as if there's a reason that she should be understanding right or like that Sonia should have a reason to be sad. So she just starts going to no one, like, I'm engaged, I'm engaged. And then she's like, just got the ring and being like, I'm getting married, I'm getting married in Sonia's face. And it is like new level obnoxious. Yep. I think it, this is, I think this is a good place to draw the line on Luann because I think we have so much to unpack with like Tom and then what happens after Tom and then her new phase is cabaret star extraordinaire do you agree is this a good place to to end it James yeah please don't make a bit about Tom (laughs) it's about Tom (laughs) (laughs) how could you do this to me don't 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 do this to me don't do this to me (laughs) don't do this to me (laughs) Um, oh, yeah, wait. no, I agree. It's like, I could just, yeah, I could talk about Luann and Tom for a whole other hour. So. I feel spent. I feel like the pirate after a night with Luann. <laughs> I'm exhausted. She's run me ragged. <laughs> Absolutely, as she does. Okay. Oh, so to finish off, do you have a, a pre-Tom favourite Luann moment to leave us with? Oh yeah, it's got to be. And I'm shocked that we haven't brought this up yet. When she's on the camel in Morocco. And that is one of those clips, (laughs) along with her falling into the bush in tequila, that they will play any chance they get. They will play that again and again and again of her being bucked off a camel. Yeah, yeah. At a long distance. I go, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I've never heard her voice go so high. I didn't know she had that range. (laughs) Yeah, that is a... That's a very good one. Uh, what about you? Um, I love, I can't remember which season it is, but the first time that she ever sings <laughs> Money Can't Buy You yes. Class in public. Yeah. And she and she's trying, she's trying to time her like <laughs> chit chat with the audience with the beginning of the song. She's like coming down the stairs. And, and she slightly like, misfires. Yeah. She's like, how's everybody doing? How's everybody feeling? You ready for a good Money Can't Buy yeah. Class? <laughs> so much much. right i'm off for dinner i'm gonna go have some eggs a la francaise very good thank you so much for joining us this week on the housewives archives make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show um if you like what you heard today go ahead and give us a rating and tell your friends about the show as well don't forget to follow us on instagram at housewives archives and just thank you for joining we'll see you next time bye Money can buy love. <laughs> and I guess it's love, my friend. <laughs> <laughs>